We're in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 32, and this is part 3. And it's the final part. <laughs> We're going to wrap up this incredibly awesome section of Ephesians this morning. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are going to focus today on verses 30 through 32. So that's going to be the main focus of our passage. Again, let me read it one more time. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. All right, I'm going to burn some images in your mind as we get started. So you have something to carry with you throughout all of my talk talk. Jacob, if you would, uh, rock us to the... Oh, Jacob's not here. Great. Okay. Hey, there it is. Okay. Thank you, Shy, for stepping in. Um, does anyone know where this is? Hawaii. Well said. This is in Hawaii. And um, does anyone know why these houses are on fire? A volcano erupted and sent hot magma to the sea, and homes are being destroyed by this literal volcano in Hawaii. Very destructive, uh, as you can see. It causes homes to be burned down. It causes lives to be hurt. It causes much, much pain. The volcano of real life. Now, let's go to the next picture. Okay. (laughs) Here we have what I'm calling, for our purposes of our sermon today, the volcano of anger in the human heart. This is a picture of the destruction that the volcano of anger in the human heart causes. Again, not nearly as newsworthy as a home burning on the edge of an island in Hawaii, but much, much more common is the destruction of homes and lives through this type of volcano than the picture I just showed you one second ago. Let's take another look. Here's another picture of the volcano of anger exploding inside people's hearts and then causing words that destroy to come out of the mouth. Uh, and, of course, there's collateral damage sitting in the middle of, uh, of the two. And then let's, let's flip the next one. Here is some friends. But guess what? I do not have friends anymore. <laughs> Please do not bother me. Uh, you know, just a picture again of this anger volcano. See, sear these into your mind as we 
get into our passage this morning. Okay, next. Okay, now. Hang tight. I know, you're welcome, Calvin, for that one. One thing that Paul is clear on in our passage this morning, and he has been clear on throughout the entire book of Ephesians, is that you cannot change the insides of you without the work of God in your heart, without the work of the Holy Spirit moving within you. And the reason I show this picture is Jesus got very upset at people. In his day, they were called Pharisees. In our day, well, you're going to have to use your imagination. But basically, it's anyone who decides, I'm going to clean my life up from the outside in. I'm going to do simply what's required of me. I'm going to suck it up and just work really hard at obeying all of these commands that God has given me or all the commands that society has given me or all the commands my parents have given me. I'm going to work very hard at that. Right? I remember when I was in middle school, I did something like this, a.k.a. putting lipstick on a pig. Right? You can gussy up the outside, but the inside's still nasty and dirty. I used to put post-it notes on the little side table next to my bed when I was in middle school. And I would say, be nice. That was one version. Or I'd say, be kind to your friends. Or, you know, don't insult those around you. Because I was constantly getting in trouble and constantly hurting the people around me because I had, as you all well know, a very big mouth. Uh, And so I tried to put the... And I I was like, if I wake up in the morning and I see that post-it note, I'm going to remember, be good today. Be nicer than you were yesterday. And guess how many times it worked? Zero. Zero. I was like, thinking it would work if I just put some lipstick on the pig, and it never did. And there's some principles that Paul gives us this morning, that God gives us this morning, that can really begin to get to that very center of us, that heart where the volcano resides. And, and we're going to see this morning that by the power of Jesus Christ, by what He has done for us and, and what He does in us, we can actually begin to change that volcano into, as he puts it, living water. Next, see this, living water. So instead of a destructive volcano of anger that burns all the people around you in your life, God can move in and turn you into a fountain that does what? That refreshes every relationship around you. That simply gives joy to the people that you interact with because you have something flowing from within you. One more shot. Uh, again, a fountain flowing, causing joy. That's, that's the main focus of our sermon this morning. We're going to talk first about the volcano of the human heart. Then we're going to talk about what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. And then finally, our final point today will be how God works within us the fountain of life. The fountain of life. Okay, let's dive in. Jacob, if you would, did you put... Gold star. Okay, here we go. We're going to dive right in. Paul basically says, here is how the volcano of anger in a human heart works. And it starts in verse 31. He says, the first thing you have is bitterness. Bitterness was, I'm going to use the Greek words for these so we get an idea of this volcano. It's called picria. And it means a sharply bitter taste. Also called gall. The, bitter, the gall of bitterness, which basically means bile, which is the fluid that is secreted out of your liver. It's, it's so bitter. I don't know if you've ever thrown up before and had stomach bile come up. 
It's awful. Really, it makes you wince. And because it's so, it's nasty, it's gross, and it causes bad things to happen within your body if it gets loose. And so Paul is getting at this. Bitterness is within you. There's bitterness within you. Now, he also, the, the Bible recounts a story in Acts chapter 8 where um, the disciples are moving into a new city and they're doing miracles. They're, they're healing people and they're seeing people come to Jesus Christ and there's just this incredible work of God happening all around them and the disciples are doing wondrous works. And this man named Simon the Sorcerer he was basically a magic worker within the town, used probably some sort of dark arts. He comes to the disciples and he says, I've got $7,000. Can I have what you have, this gift? You're like, you put your hand on someone, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, boom, their life has changed from the inside out. I want that. Give me it. And then, and then Peter looks at him and is like, I see that you are afflicted with the gall of bitterness. That's the word he uses. And his point is that bitterness is all about jealousy. Bitterness is about you have something that I don't have. Bitterness is about the fact that your life is better than mine, that your looks are better than mine, and why didn't I get some of that? My new name for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Bitter Builders. You guys already know I can't stand social media. But the bitter builders, that's what they do. You ever noticed it? They, the studies still keep coming out that every teenager who is on Facebook, Instagram, social media, their life is worse. They're more unhappy than they were before. Why? Bitter builders. You're constantly reminded of things that you should be jealous about, of how much better the lives are of the people around you. But y'all, you don't need social media for it either. It's all around us. Some, you know this. No matter what you think you're good at or the ways that God has gifted you, you always notice the people who have that particular gift in a better or bigger way. Don't you? I do. And, you, and it makes you a little angry to watch them and to see them and to, and to see them get praise for maybe that particular thing that they're better at or the fact that they have more money than you or that they have a better life than you. And then here's the heart. There's the kicker here, too. We actually end up often getting bullied by those that are better and stronger and have more money than us. Oh, it's called the world of oppression. We live in it. Everyone feels it and knows it and has experienced it. We get used and abused by the ones we love. Our parents, spouse, roommate, coworker, kids, boyfriend or girlfriend are selfish, like we are. And they use us and we get bitter. And we also... To add, I mean, trust me, it keeps going. It's going to get depressing before it gets better. We also have things and people taken away from us constantly. It's the human condition. It's life on this earth. Our, you know, we have a job taken away, a parent taken away, a pet, a toy, a ball, and we want them back. And when we don't get them back, we get better. There are a million things today that can make you better and that might make you better today. And then, finally, on this bitterness point, I know it's redundant to say it, but I just had to get it in. There's an incredible amount of bitterness in politics in our country today. There is bitterness on both sides. You know, 
the rich and the privileged have what I want. I'm bitter about that. And then also the poor and the aliens are coming in from other places. I'm bitter about them taking away what I already have. It doesn't matter. I don't care what your political affiliation is. There's bitterness on every side. They're just it. We, we feel like we deserve more and better on a regular basis. Okay, now, Paul doesn't stop there. He says that's where it begins. This is right down in the beginning. This is in the center of the heart, and the bitterness builds, and then wrath kicks in. That's the next word he used. It's thymus in the Greek. Thymus is the word that was used for incense that was burning, or like a pilot light. So what Paul is saying is that bitterness gets all up in there in you because there's a million things you can be bitter at today. And then it starts to churn a little bit and it's like a pilot light gets lit and there's like an incense that's burning within you and you begin to stew on it. Y'all, I do this. We stew on what I didn't get, what I think I deserve, the loss that's happened in my life, the people that have hurt me in the past, and then it just begins to settle in to a nice little pilot light, right? keeping things a little bit warm in there until we get anger. In the Greek, it's called orge. Anger comes in. And anger, as the Bible describes it, is a settled feeling of burning. Basically what it means is that gasoline, essentially, has been poured on your little pilot light or your burning incense. And now there's an actual fire, Paul says, burning within your stomach or your body, or whatever you want to call it, your insides. The fire is lit, and it's hot, and like a volcano, it has magma, and there's pressure that begins to build, until, as Paul says, it moves finally to clamor. In the Greek, the word is krauge, and it's where we get our word cry. He says, as it burns and churns like a volcano within us and the pressure begins to build, eventually, finally, the dam blows or the top of the volcano comes off and we explode on the people in our lives. The other word, the the translation for this can be scream or shout. That's what clamor means. And this occurs when the volcano erupts. It can no longer be held inside, heaven forbid if you are one of the people around when that volcano explodes. You know, often in our news, it's tough because in America, we have a lot of guns. We really, really like guns. And often, unfortunately, people who explode are near or can go buy some guns. And what do they do? Cause a lot of destruction, right? Often killing, killing themselves, killing others around them, whatever it is, the volcano has exploded. Also, Just so those of you who don't have explosive anger don't get off the hook this morning, sometimes it just spurts out. There's not one big explosion out the top, and we all know those people, and they yell at everyone around them, but it's just like little zingers, constantly, little magma spurts. Zing, 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 I'm going to zing the people around me. But the effect is the same. Whether you're a zinger who just spurts little magma out of the people around you, or you're someone who explodes eventually and just lays it into people, the effect is the same. And it's the next word Paul puts up here. He says, slander is the effect. And in the Greek, it's blasphemia. Blasphemia, where we get our word blasphemy, right? And here's the definition. To speak against someone in such a way as to harm or injure his or her reputation, occurring in relation to persons as well as divine beings. Another definition, to revile, 
That's what it means also. That's what slander means also, to revile. It means to criticize in an abusive or angrily insulting manner. Now, I'm sure no one in here has ever done that, thankfully. So this should be easy, and our application will be quick for, for today. But criticize in an abusive or angrily insulting manner may have happened to you this week, may have happened to you today. <laughs> it's real in our lives It happens when we speak to the Lord sometimes. And we have to be honest with ourselves that this anger volcano is within everyone. Unfortunately, because we live in a broken world where bitterness can enter any time of any day, the anger volcano can get lit in anyone and and is lit in in all of us to some degree. Then finally, Paul presses it home, and we're going to move to the next point here after this. Paul presses it home when he says... The new person, that is, the new, the new person that God is working within us, puts away all malice. Kakia is the Greek term for that. And this is basically strong dislike, hostile feelings, sometimes translated as hateful feelings, because eventually everything moves into hatred, and a hatred will destroy a relationship or not allow a relationship to ever even begin. That's the end result of all of this, this volcano exploding. After the, after the slander has happened, after the words of reviling have come out of the mouth, the hatred settles in and the relationship is severed. This is what Eric was talking about this morning. This is the goal of Satan. This is the goal of the flesh. This is the goal of the world. We experience it all and we see it all around us every day. Oh my, what shall we do? Lord, help us. You know, I see often, speaking of lipstick on a pig, and I don't know people's hearts, and so I don't judge. But I see these signs around people, in the back of people's cars. I see them in people's yards. I see them on businesses in the downtown mall. Because we have seen an explosion of hatred, even here in Charlottesville, in the last two years. Um, you know, love not hate. Have you seen these? Or, or, you know, love wins or something along those lines. Or no hate here. Or if you're a hateful person, you're probably not welcome here or whatever. It's a good sentiment. But a yard sign is lipstick on a pig. It is. Or a bumper sticker. Because the Lord teaches us that for any type of solution to be had in this anger volcano that we all have is a work of God within us. It has got to start way down deep where that bitterness begins to boil down at the stomach level. Okay. So, let's move there. There's hope. There's wonder. There's, there's beauty to be had by the work of God within our hearts. But we're going to take a little pause here um, before we move into the solution and the answer and just talk for a minute about grieving the Holy Spirit because Paul puts it in here. So we need to talk about it. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. His point is you have been given a mark of God. We talked about this. We're signed by God. We have been given incredible value and worth. We are representatives of God. And so we should be unified. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit, to unify all of God's people in Jesus Christ. That's his goal. And he knows, the Holy Spirit knows, that the anger volcano is what destroys relationships. It's doing it all day, every day, within the church, outside of the church, everywhere we can possibly put our eyes, it's happening. And the Holy Spirit is sad. This tells us something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has feelings. The Holy Spirit is personal with us. And we grieve the Holy Spirit when we let the volcano of anger ride out in our lives. 
Paul says the new person that Jesus Christ is recreating from within, the new person, he says it right here, put it off, he says, put it off, get rid of malice, get it away from you. But he knows, Paul also knows, he's the one who wrote this, that it's got to be a work of the Spirit within us. Now, what does the work of that Spirit look like within us? And we're going to, this is our final point today. The solution, the antidote, and the hope. The fountain, I call it, of forgiveness. Let's read the verse again. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's all about gifting. Gifting and loving. The word here for um, kindness uh, and for tenderheartedness, they have similar meaning. It's eusplachnos. That's the Greek. This is important for us to understand. It means literally to have your bowels yearn. Have you ever had yearning bowels? I have, but I usually end up in the bathroom. (laughs) Yearning bowels is the word that we find when Jesus looks out over Jerusalem and he sees all of his lost sheep and it says his bowels went out to them. And the word that's translated in our Bibles is compassionate. He felt it in his tum-tums. He loved these people so much. And we love this person or this thing so much that we just, we go out to them. We want to gift them. We want to give to them. It's just, I want to just get out my stuff inside and give it to you because I love you so much. I have so much compassion for you. This past week, we had to say goodbye to our beloved hamster. His name was Bear. We had him for two and a half years. And we had to, because there were things that were forming on his body, let him go free. Yay. But the day after, my bowels were yearning. I'm not going to lie. I thought about him. I saw his empty cage in the room, and I just was like, I don't feel good. And the way, here's how this works, compassion works. It starts in your bowel. Scientists will tell you this. It begins to kind of work its way up towards your throat. You ever felt the lump there? God, you get a lumpy tumps in your throat. And then it starts to trickle up into your face. And then we have these ducts that God gave us on our eyes, and it starts to come out of us. Do you see, though, the spring, the fountain? This is the opposite of the anger volcano. It's physical. At least Jesus gives a picture of it being physical. It moves from the very depths of our being and comes out of our eyes. And it's called love and kindness and compassion. And it is a giving a gift to another person. Romans 6.23 puts it this way. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible over and over tells us the antidote to the anger volcano and the bitterness you feel in living in a sinful, broken world is the gift of eternal life. If that sucker gets down right into the very core of your being, that is the gift of eternal life, you will begin to see that your life is one of thankfulness. 
that you, a- you are able to actually open up Facebook without being like, oh, I wish I had better and more. Hashtag blessed. Don't you want to just punch the person who puts that after the picture? Yes, you do. You don't have to have that, though. What is this eternal life? We're going to conclude with this. What is this eternal life? In the Greek, we need to go there because it's what we want down deep inside of us. Irenos zoe. Irenos means forever. It means you can have it not just for a moment. You can, Jesus says, I want to give this to you for all time. Okay? Something that's going to be eternal. Life, though. Zoe. What is zoe? Well, Jesus describes it. When he's in the Sermon on the Mount, he's given his magnum opus about what he came to do on this earth, what he offers humanity by his coming, being sent by the Father, and that is zoe. Zoe, as Jesus describes it, is, I'm going to put a definition on it, and you know, there's many nuances to it, so this isn't obviously the end-all, be-all definition, but here's its essence from the Sermon on the Mount. The past gets paid for. The past gets paid for, and the future is free. The past is paid, the future is free. The past is paid, say it with me, the future is free. He says, it. He says pray like this. This is a huge part of his Sermon on the Mount. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then he says, <laughs> I saw Lyndon peek up on that one. Remember that part where he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? Well, Jesus actually reiterates that. Once the prayer is finished that he gives his disciples, he says, okay, I want you to know that if you forgive those around you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive those around you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. And he focuses completely upon forgiveness because he knows the past has to be paid. For you to have a gift within you, for the fountain to begin in your life, you have to know and believe and feel down in your guts that the past is paid. All of it's paid. You owe nothing. No guilt. There's no more guilt. No condemnation. It's done. It's over. It's over forever. You are forgiven. That's, that's the first piece. But then Jesus goes on and he says, right after that particular passage where he talks about forgiveness, Jesus says, okay, now I want you to think about money for a minute. He says, I want you to store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and not treasures on earth. He says, because... You cannot serve two masters. You cannot, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll love the one and hate the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We think, I am totally in this boat, that money is my future. It's my security. It's what I need to know that I'm okay. And Jesus says, nope. He's like, look at the birds. They don't do anything, and yet your heavenly Father provides completely for them. And he says, look at the flowers in the field. They're here one day, they're burned the next, but your Father feeds them and knows what they need and has made them beautiful. How much more will your Father take care of you? Therefore, says Jesus, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you have. Contentment. Don't worry about what someone else has. I have something for you. I'm going to take care of you. Your future is free from worry and from care. Y'all, I know you've probably heard those words before. And I know, like me, you think sometimes it's idealistic gas. But it's not. Jesus says, this is it. 
This is Zoe. If you get that all the way down in the very center of your being and you have severed your past and you live in the moment of contentment, it's what Paul talked about. He's like, I don't, it doesn't matter if I'm beaten. It doesn't matter if I'm sailing on a ship that's sinking. It doesn't matter if I'm being burned at the stake. I have contentment. I have learned in any circumstance what it means to live the life of Zoe. And then, because God is so good, as he works that within us, where we are knowing that the past is paid, that the future is free, that we are secure and we don't need money for our security. He says, in that very place, you will find that you flow. You flow. Sports term, if you're a sports person, we call it, who cares about who wins or loses? If you see someone playing on the field, Michael Jordan perhaps, Uh, on the court, for those of us that are older, maybe it's Steph Curry today, when you see them move down that court, you are seeing them in the zone. They're in the moment. And they flow. The same is true for the Christian, and not in the sports way, but in the way that if you get into the zoe, the zone, the flow, you begin to find that your life is a fountain. You can't help it. You just start to spill on the people around you. You're so thankful. You begin, this is what Jesus says, to give gifts to those around you. Because every person who's close with you in your your life, every single one, parent, child, friend, coworker, neighbor, they all owe you. And you know it. And you have a tally. And God says, when this Zoe gets down in the very bottom of your being, you know what you do to people? Instead of walking around being like, yeah, they owe me this, they owe me this, yeah, you owe me that. Yeah, my past, you've done that to me. You say, here's a gift. I've been given the ultimate gift. I have been complete. All of my sins are paid for. Let me pay for yours. You see how it works? It's like a judicial system. You are owed, when someone harms you, you're owed by them. But forgiveness is this. You owe me. I'm going to take money out of my resources, and I'm going to pay the debt you owe me. I'm paying it. That's what Jesus did for us. It's what Jesus did for us. That's the point of Ephesians. The point of Ephesians, I'll read it. This is it. This is my final point. It starts in chapter 1 of Ephesians. It says, In Him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. Riches, inheritance. The past is paid for by His riches. You have an inheritance to look forward to. Your future is free. Stop worrying. That's what Jesus says. We have an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Christ Central Church, are you ready to start giving gifts to all those people that you think owe you? You ready to start giving them gifts? Because down deep in you, Jesus says, I've got riches for you, and I'm going to keep giving those riches to you through my forgiveness. We're going to see it here as we come to the table this morning. Let's give gifts. I promise you we will change the world one person at a time. Let's pray. Jesus, 
we, we, <laughs> it's insane. It's incredible. I don't have words for it. You give when we don't ask. You give when we don't deserve. You give, in fact, when we deserve the opposite, and yet you give. Your compassion for us explodes in the fact that you came to earth to give us the greatest gift of all, that is, your death and your life. Unite us to Jesus, Holy Father, this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would work within us the transformation, the new person that's changed from an anger volcano into a fountain of living water. We know, we believe that you can do this. We can't. So we ask that you would within us by your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.